Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Conflict management, managing the emotions of those tough conversations. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Each and every week on this podcast, we dive deep into one of the core competencies detailed in The Complete Leader, the book by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. Now, we definitely encourage you to read the book, but if you haven't read the book, these podcasts stand on their own as we talk about those core competencies of leadership, helping you become a high-performing leader. The conversation we have every week is with Ron Price. He is the president and founder of Price Associates, a global leadership performance firm. As a noted expert on how human behavior translates to company culture, individual and business performance, he's traveled more than 2 million miles, given more than 1,500 speeches in 15 countries. And drawing from those travels and more than 35 years of experience in leading successful organizations, Ron brings a unique perspective to developing talent and bringing out the best in ourselves and others. Ron, great to be with you today. Thank you, Dale. It's great to be with you, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. So if folks have not had a chance, uh, we definitely recommend that you go and listen to the most previous edition of the Complete Leader Podcast, where we talk about conflict management. And Ron breaked up conflict management into two areas, ideological conflict. And in the first podcast, that's where we dive deep into the idea of ideological conflict. And you can go back and listen to that after you listen to this one, the, the podcast standalone. But it's really important to understand those two areas of conflict and how they differ. So kick us off, Ron, and and how these areas of ideological conflict and interpersonal conflict, what we're talking Talking about today, how those differ, and, and let's get a definition on interpersonal conflict. Great. Thanks, Dale. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that I'm not a psychologist. I'm somebody who helps leaders grow, I, helps leaders deal with the issues, the problems, the opportunities that they're facing. However, we do have a psychologist as a part of our team, both a member of the Price Associates team and a member of our faculty at the Complete Leader Program. His name's Andy Johnson, and he's written a brilliant book that talks about this topic. In some ways, our chapter on conflict management and the Complete Leader is just the introduction to something that Andy takes a deep dive into in this book called Pushing Back Entropy, moving teams from conflict to health. And the initial idea of Andy's book is that teams don't just become healthy on their own. You have to work at it. That, that word entropy is coming from science, which says that if we don't take care of things, they tend to just naturally break down. That's their destiny, apart from us having an intentional focus on building health. And in teams, that's the case. Teams don't just get together and they're automatically a great team. So when you see a high-performing team, it's important to realize that that was built, that was created. It didn't just naturally happen. And this idea of conflict is an important part of building a healthy team. We broke it down into two parts. One is that you've got this ideological debate, which is a very important part of a team being 
highly cohesive and clear and working well together. There has to be an openness and an ability for people to share ideas they have about decisions and opportunities and solving problems. But on the other side of the coin, so to speak, with conflict management is the issue of interpersonal conflict. And this is where we get sideways with each other. The way that Andy refers to it in his book is that we damage each other, we hurt each other. And in that case, that means that somebody has attacked, somebody has actually taken the steps or the actions or expressed the words that are harmful, that are damaging to the other person. So that's what we're going to dig in today. And usually we don't do that because we're evil people. We don't do that because we wanna hurt people. Usually when we attack somebody or we damage them, and I'm speaking about verbally or emotionally, obviously most of, I hope that we don't have too many people listening where it becomes physical, but if so, it needs to be dealt with. But in the context of verbally and emotionally, it's usually because we want something and we see them as being in the way of us getting what we want. And if you can really sort of dissect it or, or reflect and unpack what's going on, it's almost always that somebody is out there that somehow is an obstacle. They're a barrier to you getting something that you think you want or you need. And when you take action in a way that hurts or damages them, what you're really doing is you're devaluing them so that you can get around them to get what it is you want. And that's what we're going to look at as we take a closer look at the causes of interpersonal conflict. Would you say that we're seeing more interpersonal conflict recently? I, I mean, I'm thinking just in the last uh, year, I have in my extended family, uh, there, are, there are people who are just not talking to each other and purposefully avoid one another because of interpersonal conflict, but it's externally focused. I mean, bluntly, it's politics. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that a lot too. And some of it is a sign of the times and a sign of what's happening in society at large. However, I don't think that that is the only cause. And I don't think that just because people have different political ideas that it's inevitable that they're going to end up in interpersonal conflict. A lot of it is how we handle it, what we do with it. So that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about that in this session. And again, I'm referring to Andy because I think he's done such brilliant work in this area. His book, Pushing Back Entropy, Moving Teams from Conflict to Health, it's available on amazon.com or you can go to our website and order it. And he really breaks this down into three phases. He says that the first phase is the environment for conflict, or he, he uses the metaphor of what causes a forest fire. Well, you know, what causes a forest fire is not the fuel, the twigs or the smaller trees or the dryness because of the wet. That's not what causes the fire, that's the fuel for the fire. And so using that as a metaphor, he says that the fuel that can lead to interpersonal conflict is that we have different opinions, we have different styles, we have different needs or we have different worldviews. So in speaking about the political dynamics in front of us right now, the fact that people have different beliefs about what they think government should or shouldn't do or what should happen at the state level or the federal level or in this country or that country, those are all fuel for the fire, but they're not a guarantee of the fire. You still need somebody to light the match. And so uh, Andy starts off by saying that if we can understand the difference between the fuel and the match, we can begin to be more proactive in preventing 
interpersonal conflict to begin with. So the fuel is our differences in value, style, perspectives, things like that. They are real, but it's only when we decide to engage now in the second phase, which he refers to as intrapersonal conflict, that we're moving toward the emergence of conflict. So what does he mean when he writes about intrapersonal conflict? Well, he's talking about the battle that takes place between our ears. He's talking about that argument that we have inside, and it starts when we feel a lack of something. We might feel a lack of respect, or we might feel a lack of acceptance, or we might be fearful of the consequences of whoever is president or whoever's in Congress right now or whatever. Or we may feel in in the context of business, we feel a lack of influence, we might feel a lack of money, we might feel a lack of opportunity, we might feel a lack of having a voice at work. So these, it starts with we feel a lack and that creates this internal battle in our minds between our emotion and our logic. And it's anything that fits into the category of this is what I want that I don't have. It's the or st- that I want, go ahead. I was gonna say, it's the story we tell ourselves. Absolutely, yes. And it's a battle of both logic and emotion. And truthfully, when we're moving toward interpersonal conflict, usually emotion is in the lead. We're frustrated, we're fearful, we're angry, or and we see that somebody else is the obstacle that we need to get around in order to satisfy what we want, whatever it is that we might want. So at this stage, we still don't have interpersonal conflict because it's just happening inside of us. But how we manage this is going to dictate whether or not it crosses over into the third phase, which is now interpersonal conflict where the conflict breaks out. The conflict becomes between two or more people. And when we're going through this intrapersonal conflict between our ears, the interpersonal conflict is usually not far away. It's a, it's a place where we really have to be careful or we become an instigator of that interpersonal conflict. So some of the ways that we battle to win the battle in, inside ourselves, inside our head, it are the way that we develop our own emotional intelligence and the way that we define our own code of ethics. So emotional intelligence, this is a whole podcast in and of itself, which we'll probably come back to sometime. But emotional intelligence is the degree to which we understand and manage our own emotions. Do I understand what's happening inside of me emotionally? Am I aware of it? And how well do I manage those emotions? By the way, both positive and negative emotions. We, We have to manage both of those if we're going to be emotionally mature. And then it's secondly, our ability to understand the emotions the emotional mindset or state of others and how we can work with our emotions and their emotions together to get good things done, to accomplish something that's positive and productive versus something that's negative. So the first part of winning that battle between our ears is how we develop this emotional intelligence, this awareness and this ability to manage, to direct our emotions and others. Then the second part of it is what Andy refers to as our code of ethics. So it's how we define what we think is right and wrong and how we interact with other people. If we give ourselves permission to damage or to hurt or to attack other people, then it's very easy for us to move from intrapersonal conflict into interpersonal conflict. But if we think that it's important for us to have integrity and to, be, to conduct ourselves in an ethical way 
in our relationships, then that becomes a preventative tool for us that keeps us from crossing over that thin membrane into interpersonal conflict. So here's some examples of prevention that Andy writes about in his book. First of all, personal responsibility. Yes, we're all human. And as human beings, we all have emotions and we all have the capacity to, be, to misbehave. But a code of ethics says that I'm going to take the responsibility for my thoughts, my words, my actions, and I'm not going to blame other people. So I can say, well, that person really makes me angry. Well, the reality is that person takes an action, but that person has no control over whether I get angry or not. Responsibility is that I take the responsibility to say, no, 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 I choose whether I get angry or not. And I choose to develop the emotional maturity to control that negative emotion and to use it in a more productive manner. So that's responsibility. A second way that we can develop our own code of ethics is this commitment to what Andy refers to as reciprocity. That means that I'm going to always look for mutual benefit relationships, and especially people that I work with, people that I live with, people that I interact with a lot. I'm not going to take this idea that I don't care about them or what they need to get out of something. I only care about me. A code of ethics says, no, 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 I'm always going to be concerned about finding something that's mutually beneficial. And it's not only that I'm not going to try to take advantage of them, but it's also that I'm not going to create a situation where they can easily take advantage of me. It goes both directions, reciprocity. The third area that Andy talks about that we can develop our code of ethics is respect. And respect has to do with our understanding that everybody we meet is different from us. And so it's developing a curiosity and a respect for the diversity that everybody brings to a relationship. So it's not categorizing people, it's not throwing them into a special group or labeling them or uh, drawing assumptions about them just based on something from their experience, but it's, it's the respect to see them as a unique human being and no matter what other ways we might label them, we don't draw conclusions about them just based on those labels. And then the third way that Andy says that we can develop our own personal code of ethics is around the concept of restraint. Yes, I have needs, I have wants, but I am not going to pursue those needs and wants in a way that is damaging to the people that I work with, that is hurtful, or that is a form of attacking somebody that I care about, somebody that is a part of my team. So it's learning how to hold back and, and exercise some restraint around what I think my needs are and not just be indiscriminate in pursuing my needs at all costs. So this is what Andy talks about when he talks about a code of ethics. So we have emotional intelligence, understanding, developing control and self-management of our emotions, understanding the emotions of others and working with them. And then this code of ethics where we decide this, these are the pillars, these are the foundation stones of how I choose to relate to other people. So that gets us the opportunity to prevent moving into this third phase, which is interpersonal conflict. We, we've looked at how we can, we don't have to just succumb to our environment, to the fuel that's out there. We can learn how to do this battle inside in intrapersonal conflict. But now what do we do once we hit interpersonal conflict? Because the reality, Dale, is it's going to happen. It's not because it's good. It's not because we want to. But the reality is we have all been attacked and we have all attacked. We've all been hurt or damaged, 
And the truth is, if you're a human being, you've hurt others, you've damaged others, because none of us are perfect. This is something that we work a lifetime at getting better and better at. And, and what you've been talking to up to this point, I think of it as, am I a thermostat or am I a thermometer? Am I going to respond or am I going to react to the situation? And it's that the internal aspect of knowing ourselves and, and knowing how to um, adequately control what's the emotion going on inside. So at what point then, since we've, you just said it, we've all been we've all been a part of intrapersonal conflict uh, in, I'm sorry, interpersonal conflict. We've all been a part of interpersonal conflict. At what point does it break from intra to interpersonal conflict? Yeah. Yeah. Those are two tough words, aren't they? Intra and inter, <laughs> but really it's it. When does it leave our mind and become an action? When do we actually say something or do something where we have first decided probably subconsciously that we're going to devalue that other person that we're not going to take responsibility for how we respond to them. We're not going to think of reciprocal benefit. We're not going to be respectful or we're not going to exercise restraint and we're going to go for what we need for what we want. It's at that point that we actually act or speak out that we are crossing into interpersonal conflict. It's interesting. The reason that we're talking about this is two different kinds of conflict management. One is the way that you nurture a wide variety of ideas and have great debate. And the other is that you recognize that interpersonal conflict is a totally different kind of conflict that we have to think about is because most people that are writing about team performance today are telling you that conflict is good. This is one of the things that Andy's really become emphatic about, that maybe conflict around ideas is beneficial if we think of it in the context of debating for better quality decisions. But conflict with people is never good. There's no data, there's no study out there that says that crossing from intrapersonal into interpersonal conflict is positive. Now, if we can resolve it, we can move forward. But the better thing to do is to prevent it. So first, if we see that we've failed to prevent it using EQ and this code of ethics that we talked about already, and now we've crossed into it, now we've got to work on how do we resolve. And in resolving it, we first have to identify the attacker and the attacked, or the, the person who damaged and the person who is damaged. And of course, sometimes that goes both directions. Sometimes I'm both the attacker and the attacked, and we have to be able to un unpack those things. We have to be able to understand this knot of problems that can develop quickly when we end up emotionally driven to get what we want in a way that we devalue the other person. So just recognizing, I, I, I can say there are times when I can look at situations and relationships where I can say, yes, I devalued that person. And the reality is I kind of justified it. I thought, well, because I thought they were being unfair or because they were an obstacle to me getting what I wanted, which is another way of saying I felt they were unfair, that I felt it was okay to attack. It was okay to damage. And we first have to just acknowledge in this particular case, I created the interpersonal conflict to the extent that I devalued that person and attacked them to get what I want. So we start there. And then what we develop is this ability to go through the steps of resolving it. So the first part of resolving it is um, 
we want we want to self-reflect. We want to think about, okay, what did I just do? And and take responsibility for the fact that I did that. And so I'm going to say, well, what emotions was I feeling? And what did those emotions cause me to say or cause me to do? And to the extent that we can take responsibility at that level, we begin to move toward resolution through a simple apology. We don't necessarily have to apologize for the whole thing, but we have to apologize for our words, for our behavior. So before we, we go down the road of, of resolution, um, when you say that there's no data to support that interpersonal conflict has any anything positive about it, it's natural to say, well, then I'd better avoid interpersonal conflict. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I know that's not what you're saying, but I just <laughs> yes. want to be sure that we clarify this for listeners that we're not talking about avoiding it. Yeah, that's a great point, Dale. Uh, usually when we try to avoid conflict, we make it worse because what happens is there's an undercurrent of offense and we don't get out of that intrapersonal conflict. We just keep chewing on it over and over again and eventually it will manifest itself. Oftentimes it manifests itself in gossip or in passive aggressive behaviors. We won't address it directly with a person that where we need to apologize or we need to talk to them about how we feel damaged. We'll go talk to some other party and we're just making it more complex and more difficult to resolve. So we, we really wanna get the idea of avoiding conflict out of our heads. We want to think first about preventing it, which means I've learned how to um, understand and manage the environment where there's that potential and to develop more respect and reciprocity and responsibility and restraint. And then if we cross over into words or actions that become damaging, that now we're saying, okay, I'm going to work toward resolving it. So that's a great point that you make. We are not talking about conflict avoidance, which is another complicator of interpersonal conflict. Instead, we're talking about conflict resolution. So as I said, it begins with an apology where you can sincerely do it. The second step, and of course, we're, we're doing some deeper thinking as leaders here when we go down this path. But the second step is to learn how to embrace vulnerability. One of the things that you do when you sincerely apologize is you make yourself vulnerable to the other person. Vulnerability, it's a certain amount of giving up control and saying, I want to gauge you at a deeper level. And... Um, Admittedly, we can't do that 100% of the time. Sometimes the people that we're with, we just don't have that kind of trust. And in those instances, we might need to get somebody else involved to help us. So it could be uh, another member of the team. It could be a coach that we're using to help work on repairing the damage that we might have caused. And most of the time, not always, but most of the time, I think that it ends up requiring apologies on both sides or with all parties because it's so easy for us when we're attacked to naturally attack back as a way of self-preservation. So sometimes we need to bring another party into it, and it may even be a third party, such as an executive coach or a mediator or maybe even in some instances a psychologist. One thing I will say is that when you escalate interpersonal conflict, it ends up in arbitration or litigation, which is where it begins to take on more of a legal approach. Those almost never resolve interpersonal conflict. They may resolve a legal issue, 
They may resolve a contractual disagreement, but they almost always deepen the damage in the relationships. And so I really advise against going down that route unless you have no other option. And what you're really saying is we're negotiating the end of this relationship at that point, not that we're trying to find a way to move this relationship into significant resolution. So let's let's talk talk about this idea of, of resolution and, and dive deep into really utilizing some of those core competencies of the complete leader that we've talked about up to this point. Yeah, well, again, uh, as we develop more empathy, which is the ability to understand another person's experience, this is one of the big things that helps us to begin to create uh, this opportunity to go deeper into the resolution of interpersonal conflict. And I think it's fair to ask the other party to do the same thing. Something like, Dale, uh, we've got this issue here, and I'm trying to learn how to listen better, to listen empathetically, and to understand your experience, to understand what you've gone through and what this looks like from your point of view, from your experience. And I'd like to ask you to tell me that you're willing to do the same thing with me so that we can begin by developing a deeper understanding with each other. And then secondly, Dale, I, I know that once I understand your experience, it's probably going to create the opportunity for me to apologize, maybe not because I intended to hurt you, but because my words or my behavior, in fact, did end up damaging you and that I could have devalued you in that instance. So I, I'm, I'm telling you that as I understand your experience, I'm posturing myself so that I can apologize for ways that my impact may have been different from my intent, or maybe my intent was even wrong, and I need to apologize for that. And I'd like for you to consider the same thing. I'd like for you to be willing to apologize as you learn how some of your words or behaviors may have damaged me. And then if you can't get to a deeper level of understanding and appreciation of each other, you know, Dale, I think maybe we should um, ask one of our other team members to help to be a part of this because they might help both of us to see it more objectively and not get so trapped in our emotional response to what's going on. So it's a very practical way of walking through it. Andy, in his book, Pushing Back Entropy, does a wonderful job of walking you through these steps and really going deeper than we have time to in today's podcast. What I hear you, you know, doing, though, is really taking the emotion out of the conversation. Yeah. And in many ways, you could say this is sort of advanced, part of the advanced journey, the the uh, the deeper journey of becoming a complete leader, because the person who's really developed the skills, again, this is not just desire, it's not natural traits, but the real skills, the practiced capabilities to go into interpersonal conflict and bring resolution to it is really a rare breed. But boy, are they valuable to an organization when they have developed this. And that's why we call the complete leader a journey. It's not a destination. It's not some finish line that you get across. It's something that you keep going deeper and deeper. I I started leading over 45 years ago. And uh, through every one of my leadership responsibilities that I've had, I've run into interpersonal conflict. And I like to think that I keep getting better and better at it. But I can tell you for sure, Dale, that I don't see any finish line in sight. I think it's something that you can continue to go deeper in your understanding if you really want to be the kind of leader that influences other people and helps them to become the best version of themselves. 
Fantastic. So would you put the bow on top for us? I mean, we've sure. we've dug deep and we've covered a lot in uh, the last you know, 27 minutes. So summarize for us. Yeah, great. So these are skills that we can learn. Conflict management, you can learn how to do it. It's just like any other skill. It's it's like learning carpentry or it's it's like learning how to play the piano. You can learn how to manage conflict if you see the value in it and you give it the right kind of focus. And we don't think about avoiding it. We think about preventing and then when necessary, resolving it. And you'll recall that we say there are two different kinds of conflict. One is about debate and it's a good kind. The other is interpersonal conflict that is never positive. It always helps, it always causes a team to take steps backwards instead of forwards. We talked about three phases of interpersonal conflict. The, the first is understanding the environment and what you have to do in the context of not automatically just reacting to the potential for conflict. The second is when you do end up in intrapersonal conflict where you're having this argument inside your head and we can learn how to manage that argument in a way where we prevent conflict by taking responsibility for our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, by committing to mutually beneficial relationships, by respecting the differences in other people and by exercising restraint when it's appropriate. And then the third phase is when does interpersonal conflict actually break out? When that happens, it's another set of skills that we're working with. It's the ability to self-reflect, to listen with empathy, to apologize where it's appropriate, to become vulnerable, and if necessary, to get somebody else involved. This is really how you become a masterful leader in the area of conflict management. Fantastic. You've given us a lot to think about. We definitely encourage folks to uh, listen to this podcast a few times. It'll be like watching one of your favorite movies. Every time you go back and rewatch or re-listen, you're going to pick up something new and something rich to help you become more of a complete leader. And also grab Andy's book, uh, Pushing Back Entropy. It is a great way for you to study and uh, and work through growing your emotional intelligence and growing your skill set in these areas of conflict management. And um, his book is widely available, Pushing Back Entropy by Andy Johnson. Ron, thanks so much. We appreciate your time on this very important topic for leaders. Great to be with you, Dale. I love these conversations. I, I love so much the opportunity that people have to become the best version of themselves on their journey to becoming the complete leader. So thanks for what you do to make this possible. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing the information. And with that, we'll ask you to go in and subscribe to the Complete Leader Podcast. Uh, you can do that in iTunes right there on your mobile device. And uh, as you do that, you, go, you will have an opportunity to rate and review the podcast. Hopefully we've earned those five stars from you in leaving a review just a couple sentences about how this podcast makes you a better leader, how you dive deeper into the core competencies of The Complete Leader, that book by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. This is The Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.